Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, old spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. So the media wants you to believe, the Democrat corporate media wants you to think that they speak truth to power, that their job is journalism, and that they're hoping to inform you without fear or favor, yada yada, etc., etc. We all know that's not the case. And in recent years, it has become even more clear that that is not the case uh, that that is not reality that is not what is going on and there are some instances of it where you really get to see a little bit of how the journo sausage is made and we have to tip our hat here to uh, mr dave portnoy who like clay is a sports world man comes from the world of sports um and is the founder of barstool sports now, there's a hit, and, and Clay will fill in any of the details here that I might be missing that are relevant, but there's a um, event he's doing in a couple of days. And, Clay, you're going to reach out. We'll see if Dave wants to come on, maybe. We'll see if he yeah, wants to come Yeah, I'll, I'll to text us. him and see if he wants to come on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I was waiting to see, and I just checked his Twitter feed, if the Washington Post has reached out anymore. So there is no update other than what we're about to play for you, except that they canceled their interview And this is, I think, so instructive. If you're a kid out there and you're wondering, like, you said it, how the sausage gets made, how does a story come to be written? Yeah, This is kind of taking you into the weeds a little bit. And one of the the things that I've seen before, for example, is, you know, a journalist will reach out to someone who's a target because of their ideology. Let's understand this. You are targeted now for ideological reasons by these journos. Uh, and you'll have somebody who says, or, you know, they'll, they'll put something out that says, uh, well, we didn't get a comment from you. And the person will actually call them out publicly and it'll come out that, yeah, they sent a LinkedIn message request like two hours before. Oh, that's the only way we could find you. I don't know about you. I, I if you send me a LinkedIn message request, I may get to it in about 10 years, right? Like I, I don't know how please, to get on my LinkedIn. Yeah. Like, well, that's what I mean. I you know, one. you could send me, you could send me a friendster message. I think, is that website even, that doesn't exist anymore, right? 
Um, but you know what I'm saying. You could send me an AOL instant message or something, and guess what? I'm not going to get it. But they do that so they can say, well, we tried, and they can just run with the story. So there's a lot of tricks that they pull. Um, I've also learned, people ask me this, they'll say, well, do, will you speak to what I would call regime media? Because uh, not really anymore, but back in the day, they used to reach out to me occasionally for comment on different like terrorism-related things when I was doing a lot of that work and uh, counter, you know, counterterrorism analysis. And I would, I learned the answer, Clay, is no, because if you're giving them a quote, they can introduce the quote as, you know, right-wing lunatic who always makes stuff up, <laughs> Buck Sexton, says this. And you're like, why am I giving them, you know, if they're going to say that anyway, don't, anyway. The, you guys see how some of this goes. So Dave Portnoy figured out that the Washington Post was planning to do, well, what they did was they sent an, a, an email out, right, to his sponsors for his event on Saturday and the email says something like, well, here, Dave recorded his conversation with this reporter. Here is how it went. Play the clip. If you don't have your opinion made of me, how do you say in an intro email, Dave Portnoy has a history of misogenic comments and other problematic behavior? That's how you introduce the email. Yeah. So, look, I just want you to know that this is not, I, I want to talk to you about this, but um, I don't you think you should talk to me before sending that email? Have you made your mind up about me? We're we're in the reporting phase. I don't, you know, I can't uh, for me to say, and I'm also working with somebody else. But that seems like a pretty straightforward question that have you made your mind up about me? If you can't answer that, I, no. I can say I have not made my mind up about you. Then why would you include that in the in the email to sponsors? It's sort of a reporting tactic. When you want someone to respond, you kind of have to indicate that there might be something negative, and then you get them to engage. That's all I was trying to do. I really wanted them to engage with me. That is a sad state of journalism if that's a tactic that you have to, what I would say is make up something about somebody. Wow. That's right? well cut. That's well cut by Greg, I think, here on the staff. Yeah. Who? I mean, you can go watch that, Buck. I was just looking. Over 30 million people have watched the entire, he recorded his entire conversation with this Washington Post reporter who, as you can hear in that comment, had been sending out emails saying, basically to any advertiser, why are you working with this misogynistic uh, individual and and basically trying to shame the advertiser for being involved? And by the way, you might be wondering, what's going on? It's a pizza festival. <laughs> so this is not like, I mean, it's a freaking pizza festival. It's it's not like he's putting on a get out the vote, you know, like uh, New York organization. Secure the border, build the yeah. wall. It's, <laughs> it's a, a pizza, pizza festival. So the idea that you would be saying how in the world can, but this, but this is important, Buck, because you know this, but I think a lot of our listeners don't necessarily. This is what the Washington Post and the New York Times have become. They basically are the attack dog of left wing organizations. Remember when they named us, what did they name us? The third biggest purveyor of misinformation, COVID misinformation. Yes. Um, and we invited the people on who did the study, and they refused to come on. If and there's we invited, another pandemic, we're coming for you, Steve, yeah. Ben, and we're going to catch you. And and then we invited the New York Times had a front page article about it, and we invited the writer of the New York Times article to come on. If you really thought that we were massive purveyors of misinformation, wouldn't you want to come talk to this audience? But no, what it's designed to do, and look, I've seen this happen with YouTube. I've seen this happen with with everybody is – they want to scare businesses away from being associated with people whose opinions they don't like. 
And instead of writing a story where it could just be like, hey, I disagree with your opinions and being fair and impartial as a journalist should be. Hey, here's what this person has said. Here's what they've done. Give us a full throated understanding of somebody. What they're trying to do is write and shame these advertisers and get them to pull out because they want these companies to be terrified because their PR team is going to be like, the Washington Post just wrote a negative article about us. What in the world are we going to do? And here he flips the script and goes to them directly beforehand. And the other thing I would say, Buck, is I've had the same issue with the Washington Post. I've had issues with uh, organizations. Ask them to put their questions in writing for you. It's amazing how rarely they're willing to do that. If you think somebody's going to write something negative about you and you're out there listening to us right now and they contact you and, uh, and they want to comment, say, yeah, can you write your questions and I'll respond to them in writing? Because then you have a record of exactly what you're responding if you want to respond at all. But you also then have all of their questions and a record of them instead of, and i got to tell you, everybody, if you talk to somebody for 20 minutes and they take a sentence out of whatever 20 minutes you said, they can make you seem whatever they want. It's it's just not a fair and impartial piece of journalism. I also think it's funny when she says, you know, sometimes you basically just have to say something kind of crazy to get a response. It's like you're you're maligning someone's character. I mean, yes. you're you're going after a person um and going after sponsors is is a particularly pernicious yeah. way to do journalism because you're not just saying this is my opinion of someone. You're obviously trying to pull their their business model. Yes. Uh and it and it's gross. You know, you know, we, we, we don't go after people's sponsors here. We don't try to get rid of people's business models. Look, they, people revolted against the, the Bud Light campaign. That wasn't, you know, that happened. We weren't, we weren't saying, Oh, do this or do that. That's just the reality of how people responded to Bud Light and, and that trans influencer. But there's something really deeply, um, uh, you know, something really underhanded about the way an organization like the Washington Post would set this up. And I think that uh, Portnoy was able, to expose it so that people can... Breaking news on 710 WOR. This is Jeff McKinney in from the WR Newsroom with some breaking news. A Greyhound bus accident on westbound I-84 near Weiweyanda near Middletown in Goshen, New York. This is in Orange County. Traffic is backed up for miles on westbound I-84. At least 50 people aboard the bus, we understand. That bus appears to have rolled onto its side in the median between east and westbound I-84. And we're getting word just now that I-84 is closed in both directions between exits 1 and 15. And the expectation is that this should be the case for several hours, that closure. Multiple injuries are being reported. Beyond that, details are still coming in. So avoid that area. I'm Jeff McKinney from the newsroom. We'll send it back now to Clay and Buck. When they're pretending to be something uh, that they're not, right? When they're deciding that they're going to write a certain kind of narrative. I, I think it's disgraceful. So, yeah. you know, props to Portnoy here. I, I think also, Buck, a good way to put this is we think The View is the dumbest show on television. They should have we, us both on. It would be the highest rated. <laughs> it would be the best, most clipped, highest rated view of the year. But we would never on this show. We play the clips of The View so that you guys can can hear some of the ridiculous things they say. And I think most of their audience is idiots, too. But I would never have OutKick reach out to whoever The View's advertisers are and say, 
hey, you know, Charmin Ultra, are you sure that you want to? Uh, are, are you sure that you want to be spending your money? Hey, always with wings. Are you sure that you want to be spending your money on the view? No, like they, they, there is an audience for their idiocy, and some of you out there may say there's an audience for you and Bucks idiocy too. They may think that that's fine. When you're going after sponsors, what you're trying to do is cancel people that you don't like their opinions. And and that is and they claim holier than thou status, but that's really what they're doing. It's just a direct attack at the business itself. So if you had to have just a drink with one of the cast members of the oh. room right now, who would it be? If you you had to sit down, have a drink, a friendly drink, not not a debate, but you have to actually hang out with one of them. Okay, so I'll rank them. They're five, right? I, I can't even name all five. I think it's I, I think few. it's Whoopi, Anna Navarro, Joy Behar, Sonny Hostin, and uh, and Alyssa, right? Alyssa Farah Griffin. Mm-hmm. I think that, and somebody staff can correct me if I'm wrong. I think they have five women on the View pretty much every day. They may rotate in somebody else. So here's my power rankings for who I'd most like to have a drink with. Um, probably Whoopi Goldberg one, just because she's super famous and she at least. Has been fa- has been funny for much of her career, so I think she probably could make you laugh while you were having a drink. Uh, I'd probably put Alyssa second, Joy Behar third. I think all three of those people could it maybe Joy Behar second, Alyssa third, because I think Joy Behar and Whoopi might be able to make you laugh because they're comedians. Well, Joy Behar is probably really that? fun, really funny to have a drink with. Same same with Whoopi. I would go. I mean, Whoopi would be my top choice as well. So yeah. But I would not want to have a drink with Sonny Hostin or with Anna Navarro. Both of them seem really unlikable to me, particularly Sonny Hostin, whose well, face to I, me, Sonny Hostin would be, always looks like she's smelling something that she doesn't like. I think both of them would be in a, I think they would be utterly contemptuous of you and me. So that, that would not <laughs> that be to our favor. Probably would, not, would not go well in that respect either. That's a good, yeah. the power rankings. Uh, it's, a, it's a good, good question. I, I think Whoopi would actually not be bad one on one. And and even though I think Joy Behar, I, I will is tell you, and this dumb. is, I always get yelled at when I say things like this. I know someone who knows who knows Whoopi Goldberg and says uh, she's actually really uh, pleasant and nice. Yeah. So and that. Joy Behar, at least I think, is dumb, but that doesn't mean she couldn't be funny. And oh, I'm sure fun. you get a couple of Chardonnays in Joy, and she's hilarious. She's right, pretty, and they probably those people know everybody, so they probably got some good stories. So those would be my mm-hmm. top two choices. Uh, no college compares to Hillsdale College when it comes to teaching and explaining the brilliance contained in our Constitution. Do you know every incoming freshman at Hillsdale College is required to take at least one full course on this great document? Hillsdale College been explaining and defending our freedoms since they were first established as a college in the mid 1800s. It's the words in our Constitution that guarantee our freedoms after all. Our nation celebrates this great document every year with an annual Constitution Day. It was this past Sunday. If you missed it, receive your free copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence from our friends at Hillsdale College. They've got a goal to give away 1 million copies to Americans who don't have one. If you have a copy already, how about someone you know who doesn't? Our liberty depends on we the people knowing the basic principles of free government. Claim your own free copy and go to clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. Booklet will come by mail without paying shipping. clayandbuckforhillsdale.com. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. 
Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. I encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. Tens of millions of cool kid downloads every single month. You can join that crew. All you have to do, again, search out my name, search out Buck Sexton. Boom. You will be subscribed. Lots of cool, unique things in there with the podcast universe. We started off the show talking about the disaster at the southern border. 10,000 crossings in the last 24 hours that we know of, which is approaching the all-time recorded high that we have ever seen and may well set a new record before the month of September is out. So you would think the White House might get some questions about it. Corinne Jean-Pierre with a White House press briefing. Our friend Peter Ducey from Fox News asked her about that number reported by Bill Malugin. This is what the interaction sounded like. So what do you call it here at the White House when 10,000 people illegally cross the border in a single day? So what do you call it, Peter, when GOP puts forth a... a, a wait, no. No, 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 no. No, you can't. Green? I'm answering... Okay, we're going to move You're on. answering no, a no, question? No, 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 okay. no, 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 we're moving on. Green, moving. please. In the back, no, no, you said you were stopping the, the flow back. of the border. No, no, I tried to answer... Uh, Peter, okay. I tried to answer the question. You stopped me. Let's go. Whoa. It's getting feisty in that room. 
Um, this is, again, I don't under, I, tell me this, Buck. If you're in the White House press briefing and you actually are concerned about the day-to-day storylines of America, how could almost every question not be about the border right now? We're setting potentially an all-time record high for the number of people that are crossing the borders. And Corinne Jean-Pierre really had no answer. That's a bad look. I mean, you know that question's coming. She's bad at her job, clearly. But I hope there are other reporters who follow up and ask the same question because what Peter Ducey was asking is 100% a valid question. The Democrats are wide open on this issue. I mean, meaning that they're really vulnerable. And that's not going to change uh, anytime soon because for it to change their entire, um, you know, their entire approach to the border would have to uh, shift, right? I mean, they would have to be willing to turn people away. And also, what are they going to do about all the illegals who are already in the country? Right? I mean, this whole process of, oh, we're going to wait to see if they get some, it's a scam. It's a total scam. So the more people know about this, uh, the more outrage I think they tend to get. There was also the Biden administration making it harder for people to get into, or rather, sorry, making it harder for Texas to keep people out by cutting the razor wire and, and the barrier. Yep. The federal government is getting rid of barriers to illegal entry that Texas sets up. Someone explain that. And, stri- and trying, Buck, to put a new policy in place that requires Texas to keep all of the illegals. Because they know politically they're not going to win Texas anyway. And so they're trying to, in some way, restrict the movements of the illegals once they get into the country. That just puts all the blame and all the responsibility on Texas, which is trying to prevent this situation from happening in the first place. You know, this is something we're going to continue to follow. 800-282-2882. There's something referred to as the Secret Royalty Program. It's a unique investment that could hand you up to $10,000 or more in payouts every year. And thanks to an obscure IRS loophole, these payouts are mandated by U.S. federal law. In fact, the publication Business Insider reports this type of investment could provide, quote, enough money to live off of each year without having any other retirement plan. Now, most folks have never heard of this before, but Wall Street has been using it for years, and you can too. There are no age or income requirements. It's available to anyone 18 or older, and there are no employment requirements. You can be working full-time, part-time, or even be retired. You want to act soon. The deadline to collect the next payout is coming up fast. Visit SecretRoyaltyProgram.com now for more information. Again, that's SecretRoyaltyProgram.com. Paid for by Wide Moat Research. Very pleased to be joined now by our friend, the sage of Staten Island, Joe Borelli. He is a New York City Council minority leader. Guy knows New York as well as I do, which is saying a lot. Probably a little bit better, actually, which is even crazier. Joe, how are you, buddy? Clay, how are you doing? Buck, how you doing? Great to be back on the show. Yeah, man, we're good. We're good. So, first off, you know, there were some protests that happened in, in Staten Island with regard to the migrants can you just give us a a broader sense of like how many of these refugee centers are there? Uh, how you know how is this just turning into a bigger and bigger problem for the city? Like what's going on with the migrant crisis there? 
Well, as of today, we have 208 shelters uh, uh, between hotels that have been leased, uh, nursing homes uh, like the one which caused this protest, uh, and, of course, the, the tent cities that, that are being erected at various uh, government properties uh, around the city. And what you're seeing uh, is people getting really frustrated, right? I mean, you know, fuck, you, you have a house, you live somewhere, right? I mean, imagine you saved up your life savings, put it on a down payment on a house, uh, and then basically committed that for the rest of your working life, you're going to pay a significant portion of your income uh, to paying the, the rest of that house. And then the city comes along uh, and just smack puts a homeless shelter right next to your house where there once was a, a school or there once was a park in some cases where there once was a, a nursing home for seniors. So people are rightfully uh, incredibly, incredibly angry uh, at the situation. And it's it, it's kind of festering in, into some uh, angry protests. Are you starting to see protests, Joe, from people that you never thought would be protesting Democrat policies? Because one of the things that we've seen that's most intriguing, and we've shared some of the interviews that have been taking place, is you got longtime Democratic voters, you know, black voters, Hispanic voters, Asian voters, who for a long time have just been, you know, vote blue, vote blue. And they're suddenly looking around saying, we've been voting blue for a long time. And things are going really, really bad. Uh, have you seen it like this before? How would you assess it in terms of the traditional Democrat core vote suddenly turning on Democrat policies? Well, I think it's interesting that you brought up sort of the diversity in opposition. So we just had a poll come out a couple of weeks ago from Siena College, which indicated that overall 82% of New Yorkers think this is a crisis. The biggest ethnic majority of people who said we have to close the border and stop the migrants from coming to New York City were actually African-American respondents to this poll, which is interesting, right? But it plays into exactly what I said before. You have African-American people work their whole life, slap down a down payment. Now there's multiple homeless shelters in their neighborhood, and they're just as affected as anybody else. This has been, unfortunately, right, I, I, I don't root for the destruction of New York City to gain some votes, but this has been great for the Republican Party uh, in the city, and we've seen uh, us picking up seats uh, at the city council level, at the state legislative level, just as more and more New Yorkers of all stripes and ethnicities have grown more frustrated uh, in the failure of, of, of Democratic control at the local, state, and federal level. What, is, uh, what does the, the billions of dollars, Joe, that are a part of this budget um, or, you know, that are going to cut into the budget. What does it mean for city services, just for the, the overall economic future of New York, if this reaches, let's say, the $12 billion that they've said it will over the next few years to just deal with the migrants? Well, t take a number like the projection for next fiscal year, $6 billion. Uh, that is the same size as the entire budget of Phoenix, Arizona. So the taxpayers of America's largest city, could actually just pay for every single service the, 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 the city that the country's fifth largest city actually provides. Police, fire, sanitation, cutting the grass in the parks, inspecting buildings, doing all the things that cities rightfully have to do. We're paying the same amount uh, on, as it stands, 62,000 migrants in our shelter every night. By the way, the, the other you know 40,000 people that have sort of transitioned out of the shelter system, they still are factored into this cost, even though we're not housing them, because we are still providing health care at some level. We are still providing education uh, if they have children. So this is a this is a cost that that will continue to grow, whether our shelter system continues to expand or not.
So, Joe, one of the crazy things is, as all of this is going on, Buck mentions the $12 billion. We were just discussing the large degree of racial diversity, 82%, as you said, of people who agree that this is wrong, majorities of all different sorts of, uh, of backgrounds. I see that the New York City Council is debating whether George Washington and Christopher Columbus statues should still exist. It feels so tone deaf, like back when San Francisco was trying to rename uh, their schools while all the schools were still shut down. Of all the things New York City has to be worried about, George Washington and Columbus statues seem very far down on the list. Uh, How would you assess this? Do you think most people agree? It's so stupid. I mean, this is like the return of the pumpkin latte. Like every every fall or so, New York City goes through this, we have to take the Columbus statue down charade. It doesn't amount to anything, but it goes to show you where the progressive mindset is. We actually had a, a statue commission at one point to take down some of these statues, and the one that everyone agreed on was this guy named J. Marion Sims, who used to do horrendous experiments on African-American slaves. Like, okay, great, take, take that guy down. Uh, but we're talking about some of the most quintessential Americans, the people who have, who have provided us uh, with the most free country in the history of mankind. These are not people to be trivialized or, or even denounced. These are people to be celebrated. Uh, and yet this is what the progressive mindset just leads us to, where we have to erase uh, part of our, our, our cultural history, essentially. Speaking of Joe Borelli of the uh, New York City Council and what is it about the – I always feel like the Columbus statue, Joe, is one that – you know, there's the Washington and Jefferson. Peter Stuyvesant got thrown into the mix this year. So, you know, some folks got to brush up a little bit on uh, early New York City or, uh, you know, early New Amsterdam history. It'd be like, wait, what did Peter Stuyvesant do exactly? But the Columbus statue, look, where does that come from? And there's a lot of Italian-Americans in New York who they're fiery about keeping that Columbus statue in place. Well, Columbus has been a symbol of the Italian-American community. Uh, most uh, Italian, uh, Many Italian clubs are called Columbia Associations uh, uh, in honor of, of the Explorer. So it, it is one of these personal uh, affronts to Italian-American culture to sort of denounce this person uh, who was ag- acting as a, a character of his own era and not someone we can you know, obviously go back 400 years and, and, and judge according to our own standards. Uh, but it, it, it's amazing, though, that the flaws of historical figures uh, only uh, impact uh, white people in, in America today. I mean, basically, we routinely in the city council name streets uh, and uh, commemorate things after horrible people. They just don't happen to be, be white people. We uh, renamed a street uh, after a man named uh, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, who was one of the founding fathers of Haiti, who actually massacred all the French and German uh, colonizers that, that were... the essentially the slaveholders of Haiti. I, I supported that. I, I don't care. I'm not here to tell Haitians who they should look up to or who they shouldn't look up to, but I just want that same courtesy to be extended to Italian-Americans. And in this case, we happen to like Columbus. Joe, what letter grade would you give Eric Adams at this point in his tenure as mayor? So you have to always compare it to the last guy, right? So Bill de Blasio yeah. was ideologically awful. I mean, he woke up, uh, and if he won... Uh, on some of his policy goals, the city would be worse off. Uh, so I, I give Adams a, a D or a C because uh, I think it, it, his, his optimism for the city and his interest in returning business and, and, and growing the, the, the city's commerce and bringing back jobs, I think those are the right direction. Uh, I just think he is a clearly an imperfect uh, messenger uh, and an imperfect uh, operator because he really should be on the other side of this migrant issue by now. Right? It was a cute experiment at first. 
when it was going to be 5,000 people or 10,000 people, it was a great way for him to virtue signal and be, you know, part of the Democratic national team. We're going to care for the migrants. Now it's really, really hurting us. Uh, and he has to feel personally uh, uh, angry uh, that the party has left him out to dry. And so I hope he swings back harder uh, and goes stronger against uh, Joe Biden and sort of Democrats in the Senate at this point who haven't done any sort of border bill. I mean, the, the House GOP passed uh, H.R. 2 back in May. Senate has done nothing with our, with our own home senator, Chuck Schumer. What is the one most important thing, other than the migrant situation, we'll put that aside, What's the most important thing that New York City could do in your mind to get on the right track to being the city that, you know, I, I remember from when I was in high school and, and college was just in an absolute golden age? Uh, it should it should do everything we can to get commercial vacancy down. Uh, but how you do that is sort of the collective uh, approach to making the city better. So the need is to get people in corporate offices that pay for a big chunk of our, of our tax revenue. Uh, the method and the tactics to that is restoring crime levels to what they used to be, uh, making sure schools are safer, making sure that the streets don't look like a third world country, uh, maybe not, you know, charging motorists now with congestion pricing, $23 just to go to work every day. So those are the kind of things that collectively would allow uh, our city's commercial real estate market to grow to the level it was, uh, and thus we can have the, the revenue that we used to have, uh, which even though even though we spend more money than most cities, uh, we actually got a, a pretty good bang for our buck, uh, I would say, uh, throughout the Bloomberg administration, as an example. New York City really was, was reaching its stride uh, in the late 2000s. Joe Borelli, sure. everybody. Joe, don't you have a history book on Staten Island for anyone who's interested? No, Buck, I got two. You can buy them on Amazon. Uh, the Colonial Period, we cover Peter Stuyvesant and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then we did a book on Staten Island in the 19th century. Joe Borelli, everybody. Joe, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Start earning high-yield returns in a low-yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. You choose your investment amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy asset bonds. These bonds have been filled with the SEC and are also independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting the traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding up to 13% annual interest. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment guide today at phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com for an appointment with Matt Willer, Managing Director of Capital Markets. Investment in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today for more information. Joe Bob. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, 
diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation, and three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and a top-tier data security system. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash buck and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash buck to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Biden's bad. We all know that. Thanks to Joe Borelli, by the way. Stat. Uh, that's, a, that's a headline for the show today. Joe yeah. Biden is bad. Joe Biden is bad. We all know that. Kamala Harris, I think, is worse. So she keeps proving that she is a really bad communicator every time she opens her mouth. But I saw this yesterday. Uh, she's trying to tell a parable. And I think the focus is climate change. But the parable doesn't make sense to me. And I listened to it. And then I brought over my 15-year-old and my 13-year-old. And I said, hey, boys, listen to this. Just think about it logically. Buck, you haven't heard this at all. I'm curious if you respond the same way I did. She thinks she's making a profound comment here. But I just don't think the logic adds up, even in Kamala Harris' world. And a bunch of you, I bet, have not heard this. But this is Kamala Harris talking about frogs and boiling pots. Listen. You know that old story about the two frogs and the pots of water? Okay, so here you're a good storyteller. I'm going to tell you a quick story. So two frogs and two pots of water. So in one pot of water, you drop the frog in and you slowly turn up the heat. And that frog will be like, oh, it's getting a little warm in here. And then that water starts to boil and that frog perishes. In the other pot of water, you turn up the heat to the point it's boiling. You drop the frog in it. It'll jump right out. Let's not be that first frog. I, I don't. So the just I don't know if you react to this the same way as me, Buck. If she's trying to make a climate change argument, then it seems to me the argument needs to be that the climate becomes totally atrocious and we'll all be fine <laughs> because the second frog jumps out when it's super hot. Again, following her logic, the first frog dies. What am I like? What am I crazy? Like, what do you take from that lesson? Like, as she's trying to be profound with this parable in some way? 
Well, first of all, the uh, the boiled frog thing is not it's not true. The frog will. So just just as if anyone's curious, the frog I, will I thought actually, that seemed likely. If you throw yeah. a frog in scalding water, it seems to me that the frog would. Well, actually, the, the idea yeah. is that if you if you the frog in the boiling pot is this this um uh, you call it I don't know if it's supposed to be a metaphor or whatever. Um, but it's that if you turn it up, it's, it's really a, a, about incrementalism. If you turn up the heat slowly enough, it won't know and it'll yeah. boil alive. Right. Think about that for a second. That's, that's not, that's nonsense. At some point, the senses of the frog are going to be, it's too hot in here. I gotta get, like, think of it as you're a human being. Like, yes. you, you get me up to a certain temperature. First of all, if it's not like exactly what I need, if you ever see me on radio and I start sweating profusely, it's because it's gotten a little too warm in here. If if I can't sleep at night, it's because it's not cold enough. Like I'm very temperature sensitive, but the frog in the boiling pot. First of all, it's one. I believe I've never heard of the two frogs. I, so she I think she went rogue totally on that one. Messing, I think she's that, totally destroying the parable. Yeah, the, well, yeah, and and beyond that, um, the parable is is actually scientifically speaking nonsense. So is the whole thing about lemmings. If anyone's curious, yeah, I lemmings you told us that yeah. lemmings do not commit suicide. People always challenge me in this. I'm like, no, they. Think about that. They don't actually just go and run off a cliff. Um, and, and there's a whole backstory behind how that, that urban legend came to be. But, uh, yeah, no, Kamala Clay, the, the, you know, we've returned to this is a, a recurrent theme because of what's going on in American politics right now. Kamala Harris is the reason the Democrats have disarray behind the scenes because yes, easy, easy answer to all of their problems is have the, stalwart vice president step up she is the part of this for them that has failed to meet the expectations necessary and that is why they don't know what they're going to do right now other than i think you know it's just going to be biden by default but yeah so it is so true because if we had had this conversation in january of 2020 I think every single one of you would have thought okay biden's going to do one term heck i think when the election was happening in november his team, Buck, debated saying Joe Biden's only going to serve one term, but they didn't want to say it because they were worried that it would handicap him in terms of being able to get any of his agenda passed if people said, well, we can just wait till he moves on. She's so bad that they genuinely thought, we're just going to pass the baton to her for 2024. She won't have a primary challenge. She'll be beloved. She'll be liked. She's the the avatar that we want the Democrat Party to be representing because she's black and she's a woman. And yet Joe Biden, maybe the greatest political choice of his career, was to find the only vice president who's more incompetent as a vice president than he is as a president. Isn't that really on brand for Joe Biden, though, when you think about it? Couldn't even get this one right, you know? Yeah. And I, 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 Joe Biden, is it's a fascinating, uh, this fascinating dichotomy in, in thinking here. On the one hand, you're like, this guy is president, so clearly he must know something. And on the other hand, you think to yourself, is it possible that there is a more ignorant and uh, incompetent politician at this level of American politics? You know, it's it's stunning that this guy is the president. He's the worst president in, I think, but certainly in any of our lives. I mean, I, I think Jimmy Carter at least was competent and intelligent and had a worldview. Oh, Carter was Carter was smart. Carter was yep. a patriot. He was wrong on a lot of stuff. Yeah. He had bad ideas on a bunch of things, but, you know, he wasn't an imbecile, and he certainly didn't have dementia. And yet, here we are, as the Biden watch continues. I was hoping after last week, Buck, that there would be more of a drumbeat. We still haven't heard it. 
I'm concerned that he's going to be the nominee, and I just can't believe that it's going to happen. I just can't. More tomorrow, everybody. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.